the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Living on the Rock Radio with Pastor Israel Labson. Here you will hear teaching that will challenge you to a deeper walk with Jesus. Whatever place you are in your understanding of God's plan for your life, you will grow closer by listening. No shame, no guilt, and no condemnation. But you will be challenged to a closer walk with God. Now, here's Pastor Israel with today's teaching. You know, every time you mention the name of Jesus, the devil trembles. Nothing scares the enemy than the name of Jesus. I get offended when sometimes I ask people to pray and they use statements like, In your name, Lord, we pray. Amen. Lord, in your name, we do this, we do that. I get offended because we should utter the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Philippians chapter 5, chapter 2, verses 5 to 11 says that Jesus, being in very nature God, did not consider his deity something to be grasped, but he humbled himself, taking the form of a servant, even going to the cross and giving his life for the redemption of all who comes to faith in him. And at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow. And at the name of Jesus, every tongue will confess that he is Lord to the glory of God. So the name of Jesus is a name that is above all names. And all power and glory and honor has been given to him. Praise God. That's why you're here. That's why I'm here. Praise the Lord. Our text is taken from Luke chapter 15, verses, 15, verses 5 rather, to verse 13. And if you found it, it's on your bulletin. Or if you have a Bible, you're looking for it. Look up here for a minute. Times have changed. Years ago, I worked at a company in which our director commanded obedience. You don't see that very much anymore in today's working environment. But in my day, so to speak, all of his subordinates, his department, has to follow his instructions, no questions asked. Some found this person very cold and very unfeeling. Some find him extremely scary to be a boss. Some find him very knowledgeable, very well-versed in his role. Some think of him as a tyrant. Some think of him as a dictator. Name it, they probably thought about that about him. However we felt about this man, there's no mistaking of the fact that we followed him all the 10 years that we worked for him. We simply followed him. And then one day we got news that on his way back from a business trip, he died of a heart attack at the airport. And... Um, 
I couldn't describe the mood that we had at the time of his passing. But I remember the HR person assembling all of us in his office and ask us to help her clean it up because they're preparing to replace him. All those 10 years <laughs> was reduced to the fact that he was just another person that is replaceable once his services were no longer needed. But then we attended his funeral. And it couldn't have been more different than what we expected. There were buckets of tears being shed in that man's funeral because the people who knew him best knew how kind, how generous, how gentle, and how valuable his friendship and his role in their lives had really been. I came out of that experience being convinced that you and I can follow someone and not really know who they are. We can follow somebody and follow them diligently and form opinions about them and form an image of them but not really know who they are. And that's what kind of spirituality many people have today in terms of their relationship with God. Many people would claim that they follow Jesus, but they don't know the first thing about the Jesus that they follow. In the age of Twitter and Instagram and now Thread, people are following people without knowing or having a personal relationship with them and it's not surprising because people are wired for relationships and we were wired for the very purpose of knowing who God is in Acts chapter 17 it says from one man you can it's not in your notes but it's in your bible from one man he made all nations that they should inhabit the whole earth and he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. God did this so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from any one of us. The Christian life is a journey that requires focus and careful attention to its Goal. Loved ones, it's possible to pursue God without knowing Him. And I want to just remind everybody that you and I have been created and appointed to live in the times and places that God has ordained for us for the specific purpose of us pursuing Him and finding Him. So if you have any doubts, as to why you are a Christian, as to why you are a follower of Jesus, it has been in the heart of God from the foundations of the world. Now, in this parable that we're going to talk about, it's an important parable, by the way. It's the parable of the audacious friend. Um, we get a glimpse, an insight into how to pursue the God 
so we can, God so that we can confidently say that we're pursuing the God that we know. The question then becomes, what does it mean to pursue God? If that's God's plan and purpose for our life so that we can pursue Him and find Him, how do we do that? How, how do we know that this God that we're pursuing, that this God that we're finding out about is the true living God? So it's, it's, um, it becomes a very important and critical part of our lives. So we're going to read this parable really quick. And if you have your Bibles, you can turn there or you can just read with me along with me uh, with the, on the bulletin. Uh, it's, they're printed there. It's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a fictitious story. Now, this is a parable. Let me just take a moment and uh, collect my thoughts here. This is a, a parable. It's a fictitious story that teaches a singular spiritual truth. So before we even read this, and before you even engage in reading any of the parables in the Bible, there are, there are certain things that we need to keep reminding ourselves. And that is, a parable is a simple fictitious story that teaches a singular spiritual truth. Now, here are some things that we should avoid. Do not assign names to the characters in a parable. There's nothing wrong with doing that. But don't fall into the temptation that when you read a parable, you automatically have to assign a character or put your play, you put yourself in the place of one of the people being spoken about in the parable. Don't try to do that. Now, it's not wrong. I'm not saying you shouldn't do that. But we need to focus on what the parable is teaching, not necessarily assigning and appointing names. You know, oh, that, that person in the parable is God, and this person in the parable are those who, and then we go on and on and on, attributing and assigning characters or people onto the parable. Suspend that. Don't do that. Let's focus on what the parable is teaching. We have to stick to the point of the parable. Otherwise, we miss the meaning of it, and we miss what it's trying to teach us. So here we go, beginning with verse 5. Now, it's a parable, remember that. Then Jesus said to them, Suppose you have a friend, and you go to him at midnight and say, Friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine on a journey has come to me, and I have no food to offer him. Suppose the one inside answers, don't bother me. The door is already locked and my children and I are in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of friendship, yet because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks at the door, the door will be opened. Which of you fathers, if, you saw, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead. Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion. If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those 
who asked him, Now what is the meaning of this parable? We're not going to go and wait until the end of the sermon to determine what it means. We're not going to wait until we finish this thing. I'm going to tell you what this parable means and then go backwards and begin to expound what it means. This parable has one teaching, and that is we need to pursue the God we know. It's about pursuing the God we know. Okay? That's in the title. So there's no secret about this parable. What it really means is this. That we need to pursue God because we know Him. It's possible to pursue a God you don't know. It is possible, and it's a scary thought. How many of you have been following that white car that will lead you to that place and you turned out to be another white car? If that can happen practically, this can happen also spiritually. I'm going to give you a couple of insights this morning. Um, and to give us an insight to what it means to pursue God, okay? Just three simple insights. Nothing profound. Nothing you haven't heard before. But something that we, all, we always have to remind ourselves and consider in its very premise. Because sometimes we take these things for granted and we just say to ourselves, Okay, well, you know, I know that already. Uh, give me a new insight or give me something different. And we're not going to do that because this parable is so critical. To pursuing God, we can't afford uh, to miss any of these things that is being taught by Jesus here, okay? Pursuing God means first and foremost, means we understand the purpose of prayer. To pursue God is to understand the purpose of prayer. Look at verses 5 to 8 once again, okay? But before we do that, we're going to look at this thing in context. Why did Jesus teach this parable. The context is find, found a few verses earlier, okay? In verses 1 to 4. If you want to discover what this parable means, and like, or anything else in the Bible, we need to look at the context of why Jesus taught this parable. And it's found in verses 1 to 4. It begins right here. Uh, Jesus was teaching his uh, disciples many things. But his disciples noticed one very powerful thing in the life of Jesus. And that is, Jesus was a person of prayer. He has a unique uh, ability, so to speak, to pray. And it's important for us to understand that in this parable, the context itself had to do with praying. If you want to pursue God you and I need to understand why we pray and how to pray. I get people tell me all the time, sure, Pastor, you know, I've heard a thousand and one sermons on prayer. Uh, what, what do you have to offer that's new? Nothing. We just need to understand the significance of it and remind ourselves that it's at the, it's at the center of our pursuit of God. Do we know the connection between praying and pursuing God? People have different ideas of praying, uh, what prayer is all about. Uh, so it's always good to be reminded of what praying is all about. They saw Jesus praying, the disciples did. And the moment they saw him praying, 
They saw the power in his life, the power of prayer in his life, and of everything they could have asked Jesus to teach them. He could have asked Jesus, they could have asked Jesus to teach them how to worship. They could have asked Jesus to teach him how to, uh, how to uh, preach, how to evangelize, uh, how to succeed. They could have asked so many different things of Jesus. And yet when they saw Jesus' prayer life, they asked Jesus, Lord, teach us how to pray. Jesus, teach, the, teach us how to pray. And so Jesus proceeded by teaching them how to pray. And he said to them, when you pray, you pray this way. Our Father, who art in heaven, holy is your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And he proceeded to recite this prayer. And so many people think that Jesus was giving them a model prayer. But Jesus wasn't doing anything like that. How many of you have prayed that prayer and repeated it as if it's something that Jesus said you ought to pray about? No, Jesus wasn't doing any of that. He wasn't giving them a model prayer. He was teaching them about prayer. This is didactic. This is something that Jesus says, you ask me to teach you to pray, this is how you should pray. This is a teaching about prayer. This is not something that we repeat, it, re repeat and say, well, let's pray the Lord's Prayer, and then we proceed to praying it. Why do we do that? Because we just don't understand the purpose of praying. Okay. So, Jesus says, this is how you pray, and he recited the Lord's Prayer. I, I, and I know I'm trying to, you know, slow down in explaining this. Then after he taught them how to pray, he solidified the teaching by talking about this parable. So, this parable has a lot to do with pursuing God to the understanding of prayer. Okay? So let's not be confused about anything else in this parable. It's about pursuing God by understanding how to pray. Now look at verse 5 again. Then Jesus said to them, Suppose you have a friend and you go to him at midnight and say, Friend, let me, let me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine is on a journey. He has come to me and I have no food to give him. And suppose the one inside answers, don't bother me, the door is already locked, and my children are, are, are already in bed, I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give him the bread because, because of friendship, yet because of your shameless, uh, shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. This is interesting because it kind of gives us a glimpse at how God answers us when we call to him, doesn't it? This friend that this man was knocking to at midnight sounded very mean to me. Don't you think? Boom, 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 boom. Hey, I have a need. I have a friend that I need to feed. Can you lend me some loaves to feed him? And the person inside says... Go away. My children are in bed. Don't bother me. I can't get up and give you anything else. That's kind of mean, don't you think? 
We can tell a few things about this man calling on his friend, okay? We can, we can, we can get a glimpse of why he was knocking at this man's door, okay? First of all, the knocking came in at midnight. What does midnight represent? Midnight represents a time of crisis. Midnight represents a very dark situation. So this man obviously went up to his friend, come knocking at the door at midnight because he's in a crisis. What else? He was knocking on this man's door on behalf of his friend. That's important. Okay? He approached that door, and his priority was his own need and the need of his friend. And thirdly, he was asking for provision. Give me three loaves. He came in and knocked at the door because he needed and wanted something. Okay? And it's amazing how the friend inside the house responded. He says, don't bother me. As if to say, you only call on me because you have a need. And then he said, oh, I can't help you. My children are in bed safe and sound. And I think it tells you the priority of the person that's inside the house. And thirdly, he says, the door is locked. I can't get up and give you anything. Now, the twist came in this story when the friend who did not want to give this guy anything, when he realized his shameless audacity, he eventually got up and gave him everything he needs. What's the point of the parable? It's clear that the person crying out for help does not understand the person he is asking for help. He doesn't understand that person. He doesn't know that person. He has a different idea of what friendship is all about. He thinks he can just barge in at any time and expect his friend to help him. Aren't we that way with God? Aren't we always that way with God? In many ways, that's how we understand and approach God in prayer. We really do not, do not know the first thing about why we pray. And that's why if you miss, and I miss the point of praying as a way to pursue God, as a way of knowing God, we miss the whole purpose of it. Okay? Here's the insight. Prayer is primarily an invitation to pursue God. That's what prayer is about. It's an invitation to pursue God. Like the man in the parable, we often think that prayer has only to do with two things. Number one, that God is obligated to help us and answer us when we cry out to Him for help. That's the wrong way of approaching prayer. We think that God somehow is obligated to answer our cries for prayer. God, I thought we have a relationship here. How come you don't answer my prayer? How come you don't hear my cry? I thought we have a good thing going here. I thought your job is to hear the cries of your people and answer them. That's not God's primary job. That's not God's primary heart when it comes to prayer. Don't you think he already knows what you're crying about? Don't you think he already knows what you need before you ask? No, he, he's, he's asking for something else when it comes to prayer. It is not to a way of obligating him. But the next thing that we do is, is every time we pray, we're always seeking some kind of protection from God, aren't we? God, protect me from this. Protect me from that. God, 
put your shield of protection upon my life, when I go through the, the trials of life, when I encounter the devil, God, will you please put a shield on me and protect me when these things happen? So to us, prayer is about obligation and it's about protection, but prayer prayer. It's not about those two things. Prayer is not an obligation by God, and it's not protection from God. Prayer is about revelation. It's not obligation. It's not protection. It's revelation. Every time we engage God in prayer, we must expect that God wants to reveal himself to us in more profound ways than we think and know. Now, I'm very passionate about this because oftentimes, you know, we just go through life, we get so busy. We get so busy that our prayer life is nothing more than just those two things, obligating God to hear us and asking God to provide and protect for us. Isn't that how we pray? Because we're busy people. And we hardly have any time to discover something fresh about God. I didn't say something new. I said something fresh. When God reveals something fresh, some new insight about him. God, I didn't know this about you, but now I know that you are this kind of God. Prayer is an invitation from God so we can have an accurate revelation of what he is really like. So that we can know something about him. You've been listening to Living on the Rock Radio with Pastor Israel Labson, a ministry of Living Rock Christian Church in Sunnyvale, California. If you have been helped by this radio program and would like to keep it on the air, your continued prayerful and financial support is greatly appreciated. Please visit livingontherockradio.com where all your tax-deductible gifts will go directly to the radio ministry. That's livingontherockradio.com. Living Rock is a church that doesn't care how you are dressed or what candidate you voted for. A church made up of imperfect people from all walks of life with a hunger and thirst to understand God's plan for our lives. No matter what you've been through or what questions you may have about God and faith, you will find love, grace, and hope at Living Rock Christian Church, 675 East Taylor Avenue in Sunnyvale, with Sunday worship starting at 1030 a.m. More information at livingontherockradio.com. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.